gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome to the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. Uh, I will be co-hosting again today with Firefay, and that is because our guest, Mr. Christopher Henningsen, will be uh, will be talking with us about the the Fae, the fairy folk. Um, so of course we can't like I can't talk Fay and fairies without having the fire Fay on. Um, Christopher, introduce yourself to uh, to the good people. Uh, tell us what you what you do, what you have have going on. What made you uh, what made you send a uh, a message on Matchmaker? Is it Matchmaker.fm? You're actually the first one yes. to send me a message. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. Well, I, I would say that I guess my interest in the um, the unseen realm started very young in life. Uh, both my parents were very open to that sort of thing and encouraging of, uh, of uh, exploration of that nature when I was quite young. And um, as I as I grew older. Uh, that interest kind of evolved and um, I've paired it with a very uh, technologically oriented career. So uh, I, I don't know whether I would say that it, the two um, inform each other, but uh, it certainly is an interesting juxtaposition. I, and I find that um, the, the nature of that kind of uh, very earthy, like you call it the the pagan uh, um, worldview mm -hmm. on here. Uh, I, I find that working with um, technology, working with um, very practical things, it pairs very well with that sort of uh, grounded uh, local worldview um, of seeing uh, seeing seeing the unseen realm through a uh, through a personal filter, maybe one could say. So I thought it was a, a cool, um, a, a cool, a cool venue to have a, have an interesting conversation. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you don't hear often about the, the mix between the technology and the um, ethereal, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that's very much. Uh, always seen as separate from each other, although you could say that with uh, with the rise of um, of artificial intelligence, uh, it gets a little closer to uh, to one another. Um, but why why the fae? Why why fairy folk? What's your what's uh, well, attracted I... you so much to it? 
Uh, I, I recently actually purchased a home in Canada where I live. And uh, as part of that, there was a lot of construction that was being done as I was moving. And um, I remembered, well, it, it was a bit of a synchronicity as well. I was, uh, I was taking a course on the Fey folk at the time. And I also remembered hearing about how if you're disturbing the ground, if you're if you have a building project, it's good to um, to make some overtures um, and to make friends with the uh, with the people whose homes your home will be affecting. So uh, that was something that I did, and I, I really liked the experience. Um, there's something very uh, joyful about that realm and um, about the sort of uh, beautifying that one can do if uh if there's some if one is making some large changes that will impact someone else's home to uh to have a, a dialogue about what what would be considered uh, a worthwhile uh, knock-on effect of the the work i was doing for my own home so i i thought that was very cool and uh, i thought it yeah that it might be of interest to uh to you and your listeners yeah, most definitely. Um, I haven't done much about uh, about fairy folk yet. Of course, I you know I'm engaged to uh, a fire face, so that does kind mm. of bring me closer. But the the popular belief is indeed that um, if you disturb their home, which is nature, that that they could get vengeful. I believe, I mean, at least I would get, you know, if you were to tear down my house so that you can, you know, build yours on it, um, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't be happy about that. Mm -hmm. um, Fai Han, you can, uh, maybe you can elaborate a bit further on that. You're more knowledgeable about that than I am. Well, I just started getting into it recently, too. So, I mean, this is really fascinating to hear other people's viewpoints on the faith because everyone has different viewpoints. I mean, the Irish is definitely heavy in my family and my heritage. And we definitely have faith around here. You just have to know where to look. And the thing is, it could be anything from... A hummingbird to a butterfly to a bird i mean it just depends on your viewpoints mm -hmm. uh, they really take different forms as well they do because um i've noticed when i'm working with my fae my lovelies as i call them um mm -hmm. they're very they're gentle creatures but once you provoke them in the wrong way they do tend to turn vengeful and that's where you have to be very careful when you're working with them. Because if you mess up on something, they can just, they can turn on you fairly quickly and it's not good for either side. Mm -hmm. No. That's yeah, my yeah. personal thing because um, I do have friends here that are very into it and one of them provoked them wrong. And I had to go back in and I had to, you know, leave out little trinkets for them, you know, like little stones, because they love, love rocks. 
That is mm-hmm. the one thing that I've noticed working with them as much as I have recently. They love their rocks. Mm-hmm. I found uh, yeah a lot of things that refract light seems to be uh, well, shiny things. You know, um, I, I think mm-hmm. uh, like uh, similar similar to us maybe they they do seem to like shiny things and um, just beautifying. You know, making making the space that you're sharing with them beautiful because I think mm-hmm. there's there are things they can do that we're not very good at and there's things we can do which they're not very good at and uh putting out a, a nice shiny rock where it wasn't before is something that we're very good at it's very easy for us to uh to arrange uh to arrange things artistically in that way and i think it's something that uh well i've i've always uh, received um an appreciative uh an appreciative sense when I do that in the in the area that we share. Exactly, and that's why I love working with them so much. And a lot of people don't under- realize this. I, correct me if I'm wrong, Christopher, but with my studies, I find that there's different elemental fairies. Like with me, because I'm a fire sign, I work very closely with mm-hmm. the side of the fire fae. There's the water fae, which a lot of people don't work with a lot there's the earth ones which are like mm-hmm. leprechauns gnomes and then Wait, they have leprechauns air. are part of the um, of the fae really in the irish folklore yes they oh. are i don't know much about leprechauns i've um they're from my from my understanding leprechauns are some of the most powerful of that class of being is that also your understanding Yes, they're very powerful, and that's why um, a lot of people (laughs) would say, you know, because of how tiny I am, I've been, you know, called a leprechaun in my younger years. And that's where, you know, working with all those different kind of spiritual beings brings me peace. And that's where it's like I've really noticed that they're not as, I hate, I don't want to upset anyone or any fae, but they're not as vengeful as you would think. You know, you have to do something really terribly wrong just to provoke them, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I, I think it also might be, um, we might not be seeing the same, the same uh, society of fae that the mm. people who were uh, who who wrote those kind of things might have been seeing. Um, I do think that uh, while they while they're very long lived, I think they do seem to um, and and beings of that sort entirely. I'm not sure how one would uh, how one what one would include and exclude from the from the title of fae, but I'm not sure how beings. Uh, of that nature, um, you know how how their uh, how their fashion and how their um, their culture evolves over time. But we might be seeing sort of a different um, set of attitudes today than let's say several hundred years ago. Exactly. That brings up a good question. Like we know that's. Uh, society as a whole, we are 
well, evolving or devolving, mm -hmm. most of us, unfortunately. Um, would you say that, uh, like, you'll, you'll hear that a lot in the mythological stories that those beings, whether they be the, um, the fae or leprechauns or giants or, you know, whatever elemental or interdimensional being it may be, do, like, how would you say that they evolve with us or adapt to the evolution of mankind and mm. if so how do you and this this is question for for both of you of course uh, how do you think that's that affects them hmm it's a good question my own sense is that the um the nature of humanity has undergone a radical change in the last couple of hundred years uh we've gone from millions to billions of humans um and that when you think about the number of the number of souls reincarnating as a particular species that were something else before um that doesn't seem like i mean we as humans we tend to think of ourselves as the the agents of our fate and of course we're a little unusual in that we do have a great deal of agency but it feels to me as though a change in that level originates somewhere outside of the human realm mm -hmm. um i've uh, i've for example been reading um dion fortune who has this idea about the the sun and the the entire solar system actually being kind of one organism, most of the mass of the solar system is in the sun, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that is an organism that's learning and growing. And as it grows, it, um, it changes. And that humanity is sort of, like we could say, maybe humanity is one organ system of this very large single being. And um, in that context, I would, if we, if we accept that hypothesis, um, then it would seem that yeah, whatever whatever function humanity performs for that um, being, somehow that something has changed about that function as we've had this huge spike in um, in souls being born as humans. And I would assume that whatever that change is, um, it's probably affected the Fey as well. Um, I don't know whether that, uh, I, I, I'm sure it is an ongoing process, but uh, it does seem maybe very dramatic in the, in the current time frame. And I'm sure that a change that dramatic uh, where we share kind of the same space uh, and a lot of, not just the same physical space, but a lot of similar mental spaces, I would assume that uh, that, that is something that is affecting the, uh, the Fae as well, or that um there's similar changes kind of happening on at, at their on their side of the dance floor uh, is maybe how i would put it um and perhaps because like um just we we've grown so exponentially in just the the amount of bodies on earth um mm -hmm. although i am of the belief that not every uh not everybody has 
world. Sorry, yeah, that's my kitty co-host. He doesn't care. He just has to be a part of it. Um, Real diva. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, Devo, it's a dude. Imagine. He's still a diva. Yeah, in in a way, he takes after his mom. Huh? Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> No, but I can um, I can imagine that um, with the, uh, the like the um, earthly population just skyrocketing in number. You know, as you said, in a in a couple hundred years, going from you know millions to two billions. I can imagine that um, that that is also a reason why we don't see the fate as much anymore. Like first of all, because. Mm-hmm well we have built on on the land you know there is very especially if you look in the uh, the western western world there isn't much woodland left where the fae can you know live in in peace or undisturbed and just being um it's just being so crowded and overcrowded sometimes um you know even i myself and i'm just i'm a regular human uh i i know i have some traits of other things but mostly human um mm-hmm. it, even i when i go to the just the city center here i get overwhelmed already like imagine if you're you know if you're a tiny elemental like you know you want to stay far away from That's there not always true in my s- studies you have to open your eyes and that's hard for people to understand too. You have to open your eyes because once you open your eyes to that realm, you'll see things that others don't see. That's why cats like Timmy are so sensitive to those energies and those elementals is because they can see what we can't see. Yeah, that was going to be my my third point that with the um the fall of humanity us losing our our vision losing um falling out of touch with our our spirits maybe they are still here but we just don't don't see them as clearly as we did you know back when we were kids the movie peter pan where you have to believe in a fairy for it to be born. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of like that where you have to see them and you have to open that eye for them to be able to be seen. I mean, it's not like because they're being born, but in my way, you know, I see them all the time. And that's where I tell you all the time, you need to just sit still and those things will come to you. And... Mm you'll be surprised at what you can find. I would also say, I mean, it's maybe um, it's maybe a question of what we're choosing to interact with. Uh, mm-hmm. There was certainly a time when um, interacting with Faye was probably, it was very important. So one thing I found, for example, is that uh, the, the same sort of mindset that helps me connect with Faye also helps me connect with my garden um, and to 
uh, to grow healthy plants and to um, get good guidance on what plants to plant. Uh, when everyone was farming or nearly everyone was farming, I think it was maybe a lot more important to have good relations with that aspect of, uh, of our world. Nowadays, um, you know, I, I enjoy farming, but if I, I enjoy gardening, uh, but if I'm not good at it, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really impact my ability to eat this winter, you know? It's, um, the, the stakes are a lot lower for me in, in forming relationships of that nature. And I think that might also be a, a factor. A lot of us have this, um, a lot of us have other concerns. Yeah, fair enough. That when we used to like really be one with the land, like really be dependent um, on the land and what we could, what we managed to get from the land. Um, I imagine you would see them more often as well because you're always, you know, you're always outside, you're always, you know, chopping wood, getting water, uh, you know, planting grains, getting grains, uh, you know, I think mm. that's that really that helps a lot as well to just be outside. I mean, it's it's a common common thing. It's you know uh, um, in uh, in paganism in the pagan communities. You know, we don't need a a church to be with our our gods or whatever. Like we step outside and we're with our gods. And yeah. because so many of us are, are you know, cooped up nine to five, eight to six in, I don't know, like a two by two cubicle in an office somewhere with absolutely anything but natural light. Mm. You know, it's, uh, you don't see them as, as often anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, um, you know, when you go for go for a walk on the beach or, you know, just a, a, a walk in the woods or the, you know, here in the Netherlands through the, through the dunes, it just, it feels so refreshing. It feels so magical because mm -hmm. it's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in nature. We're supposed to be one with nature. That's a that's mistake. Why, that's as as me. That's why I'm always telling you, and I'm telling my little one, you have to earth. You know, put your feet on the earth, feel her through your feet, and let that energy go through you because it's magical. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I, I found that that's. Um... One of the trends I've been uh, checking out, you know, uh, witch talk lately and seeing just what, uh, because I know that there's a resurgence and I'm not as young as I used to be, but there's a resurgence in that, um, in that kind of, I guess one could say pagan or uh, heathen spirituality. And one of the things yeah. that I found um, really cool to see is the amount of attention being paid to foraging and going, you know, going out into nature and finding the, uh, the plant or the mushroom or the rock that, uh, that 
speaks to you and that's that uh, that you can get help with that's really uh, it's a very different kind of magic you know I I, I work for example with um, combining a divination with uh, with a computer programs and uh, something like that it, it feels extremely you know sharp and high leverage and um, crackly so to to do something grounding like walking barefoot it's uh, it, it's all magic but it's it's like there's a, a polarity of experience there and uh, absolutely we um, we don't have as many opportunities for the kind of relaxed and earthy sort of experiences as we used to. And of course, on, on top of that is the, uh, is the triplicity changing from earth to air. So, um, if we felt we, like we were ungrounded before, it's uh, probably only going to get more challenging. Yeah, though there is there is definitely a, um, a pagan revival going on. Uh, there's definitely a spiritual revolution going on and i've even heard you know other podcasters who who don't necessarily consider themselves to be pagan or heathen you know they go out and forage for these uh these mushrooms or these edible plants um or you know because everything is getting so incredibly uh, incredibly expensive Mm. when you like when you buy it in the supermarket a lot of people are looking to you know to get their own chickens to get their own little um little garden where they can you know grow some grow some crops even if it's just you know a little extra even if it's just that that little bit that they don't have to get at the supermarkets um it's something i i spoke about with the um with one of my other guests i believe it was on the on the latest one with the sarcastic warlock um that's the whole you know pushing for artificial foods and the the price gouging and all it has the uh it also has the effect that a lot of people are looking again into self-sustainability and mm -hmm. um, who knows maybe that will also bring our connection to the land back and we will you know have a uh, a better and deeper connection again with the with the fae and the the other land spirits there there's there's definitely uh, there are interesting developments and it's it's awesome that that you see that um, see that as well it's just it's more more confirmation yeah yeah i i do um i do think sometimes about the the trends and the uh the you know the great forces that are sort of pushing things um we had this big disruption with uh with covid and the um the the choices that were made around that uh and i i do think that um in a time that's that feels a little chaotic like this um, it's also maybe more possible to um, to have a, a larger effect on the kind of outcome the kind of new world maybe that we want to uh, to look towards and um, and aim for 
as we're uh, as we're uh, being tossed about by what's what seem like these very random um, it's very random forces, random events, but uh, it's actually at times like those that we have the most agency to um, to to head towards the uh, head head towards the future we want. Yeah, exactly, and especially in in Canada, it was it was bad. Like you still hear stories coming uh, mm. coming out of that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know what it is. The, yeah, Britain, Britain, Canada, and uh, Australia. It's like the, there's something in the language. I don't know what it just, is. Yeah, the the former British Empire, if you will. Mm. Um, or you know the countries that are still under the crown. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose. I mean, I, I think I think much of the African Commonwealth did was some of the the best of the countries that handled it the best. So it's clearly not uh, clearly not everywhere. But um, mm -hmm. there's maybe also a, a youthfulness to the to the uh, population there that was less affected by whatever. Um, Whatever secondary effects were were in that uh, were were in that um, event. Yeah, perhaps. And speaking of youth and youthfulness, uh, we always say and we always see that children they still see um, they still see the. Mm -hmm interdimensional beings they still see the beings mm -hmm. that live in between the um, the dimensions or manifest them them here uh do you have any stories from when you were uh when you were kids uh yeah. containing to or pertaining to you know the fae fairy folk or is this this something that's um that really came about more later in um in your teens or later in life because you'll hear a lot of people who have experiences as a kid and from there it just started rolling i do um i didn't visit i saw some beings the same way i i see the world now when i was younger but fairies weren't like that it was more that um i had a very active imagination as a kid and I, uh, I imagined fairies kind of hiding um, in, you know, particularly at the, at the roots of trees, there was, uh, I remember this one particular tree that uh, it had this very interesting root system. Um, and I remember uh, this really vivid, beautiful glowing red that was at one part of the root system that, uh, I, I was, I was very sure as a child that uh, yeah there, there must be fairies living at the base of that tree, um, and from everything I've learned about fairies since that sort of, uh, that sort of splash of color um, is very much the kind of thing that one would associate with uh, fairy presence, but I never saw fairies physically although I did. Um, I do feel I had a relationship with them. So I would, uh, you know, I would stack rocks um, and do, do things to, you know, 
enhance the houses or, or build houses for fairies um, mm. as a young child. I, there's something instinctive about that, I suppose. Or maybe just, like you said, children are a little better at listening to uh, to the requests that fairies are making. Yeah. They have um, maybe That's... fewer... Uh, fewer internal voices telling them what to do so they can hear the external ones a little more. I think it's the other way around, actually, because as soon as you, um, it's it's a common, it's a, it's a joke I'll, I'll tell people a lot, you know, from the time you're born till age three, they teach you how to, uh, you know, how to talk, how to walk, how to you know, stand up and be active and all of that. And as soon as you go to school, they'll tell you to sit down and shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's true, isn't it? Um, well, this was a uh, from Tribal Defender seeing a forest spirit as a kid. And so is how Sonunos is depicted. Kernunos, yeah, the um, the horned gods of the the Celtics, and I was as you were telling the story about just your your active imagination. Mm -hmm. You like my my brother is very much the same. Um, mm. That's why he's a why he's, why he's a script writer now. Because mm. he's just he, he imagines those things really easily. But uh, from what I saw with my brother, it was always so so vivid, so in the moment, like he was was mm. actually there. And it makes me wonder, like, what if like you you thought it was your imagination, but maybe through that. That imagining the the childlike childlike wonder the the pure spirit that you you still are as a child maybe it, you you did actually see it or maybe you you manifested them through your imagination if that if that makes sense I don't know there's just something about uh, the the imaginal realm the uh the the place where imagination takes place where dreams take place i mean we i think the that's um called the astral realm in um in some ways of classification uh it does seem it does seem uh likely to me that um that the same way we exist partially in the imaginal realm and in the realm of dreams that fairies would have a, a, a presence there and that maybe that's an easy area we could say there's an overlap um now i don't know how that would square with the elemental um fae i guess that would be more uh do the fae see the elements as their homes or their bodies uh do they do they get that um manifested we don't think of them as having material bodies of course but do they have uh energetic bodies or uh or is that even still too dense for them i don't know um i'm not I really see them as colors i see them as colors to mm -hmm. be honest yeah. i see them as colors i don't see yeah. 
them like like you know how most people say oh they have little bodies like humans they have a face they have hands they have feet they have wings mm. i see them as color yeah I, yeah I imagined them that way as a child i imagined like you know little gnomes smiling old men that live at tree root at the bases <laughs> of tree root. i mean i, never I did too as a child right? but as i got older i saw them as color and like colors that you know, on the visible spectrum that we have as humans, I don't see those colors. I see other colors that I can't even describe to you color, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and those those flashes of, um, I think I experienced something similarly. They're not um, unfamiliar colors. The colors I see are they're you know they're they're colors, and I'll I'll see a a, a dot of a dot of color in my in my vision the same way I see things normally and that, that does mm -hmm. I do associate it with um fairy presence mm -hmm. which is uh, I also hear bells too like if you're outside mm -hmm. and it's like still yeah. I see the color and I hear bells interesting the, the bells is not something that I uh that I've experienced but I I, I also uh where I live, a lot of people have wind chimes, so um, I would probably oh, my just grandparents assume. didn't have those. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it was interesting growing up hearing those. But mm -hmm. lights and, and bells, like, it, my mind immediately goes to uh, to Tinkerbell from Peter Pan, as you were talking mm. about earlier. Mm. Would that be, like, in, in her more ethereal form, so just, like, just you as know, a light. Because when she flies, she's gold, right? yeah that's how i see different fairies you know i see different colors and like christopher said like you can see colors that you normally would see on the spectrum but i see color beyond that too sometimes out of the corner of your eye so mm -hmm. it just depends you, on the person when you see these colors are they like um are the edges very distinct or are they more um they're more fuzzy. Like the, the colors that I see, it's almost like uh, very clear dots. If it's um, out of the left side of my head, because I am practically blind out of my left eye, if I see it out of the left side of my eye, it's fuzzy. But because my right mm -hmm. eye is so clear and I can see, it's more clear on that side. I see. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Because, like, with me being blind partially, not, like, literally, but I feel like I am because of my vision, I don't see things as clearly. And that's why it's interesting that I see different things out of the different sides of my vision. Mm -hmm. And it uh, it makes me think of the different ways of observing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like I, I've, One I've... is, like, where you can see clearly and the other and you're not so sure what you're seeing. Yeah, it's like you're collapsing the probability wave a lot or a little, depending on the uh, the type of observation that the two halves mm -hmm. of your head are accustomed to doing. Mm -hmm. And ever since I was little, my mom would, you know, say, collect rocks for the fairy, because then you're going to reflect that light that you're going to see. And as I got older, it's like, I want a little garden where I can do like little fairy houses and like do little things for the fairies as I'm getting older. It's interesting. But yeah. the, 
reflections and and light reflections um, makes me think of um, of the like of a diamond or or a prism, you know, just where the <laughs> the light gets reflected and refracted in all these those different these colors yeah you know like 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 with me out of the left side of my eye this is going to be the best way i can say it out of the left side of my eye i can see the normal colors like you know the red the orange the yellow the green the indigo the blue the purple Mm -hmm. on my other side i see colors that i don't even have names for if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. but left is very very rational, right? Like left brain thinking my is very blind side, rational. honey. That's my blind side. Oh, so that would be right, huh? That's interesting. So I'm like... basically blind. I like you know when you're standing next to me and I have to kind of turn and look at you if you're on my left side because I don't see you as clear. Even at six foot tall, yeah. On my right side, I can see you clear as day, and that's where it's like I can see what you're wearing, what color you're wearing where you're standing but if you did it on my left side i have to like literally turn my head to see you Mm. and that's where Mm. it's like when i'm seeing the colors i have to turn my face and i have to see what i'm looking at whereas with my right i don't have to turn Mm -hmm. would the different colors would they be connected to specific realms for example, like with the best example, the fire fae, would they take on the more fiery colors? So mm-hmm. the, the red, so the orange, the yellow. That's what I've experienced in my ways like, lately is that, you know, the different colors mean different realms. And I mean, that's the thing too, where my experiences can be vastly different than Christopher's because, you know, he's had this experience since he was little and me, I had it since I was little, but you know, there was a time in my life where I didn't really zone in on my ability to see that. So I'm Mm -hmm. out of touch with it. So it may be a little different now. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder Can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podcasting Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. Yeah, I think it comes back to that question of, you know, which senses do you train? Is this is this something that has bearing on, on your everyday? Uh, mm-hmm. I imagine... It's it's easy to get quite a lot better at it than uh, than most people in our society and ever have a reason to, to get. Yeah, and that's why, like I mentioned earlier, 
you have to open your eyes and see. Because people are like, oh yeah, I can open my eyes like I do when I'm awake and I can see the world. That's not what I mean. You have to open that pre-programmed, there's nothing there, when there is. Because mm-hmm. like even with my little one, he's a bit older now, but he's telling me things that he can still see. And it's like, it makes me wonder if he's very sensitive like I am. Mm. I would I would guess so. And also probably, um, well, the pa- children do learn from their parents. Um, mm-hmm. And it does seem to, you know, if this was something that uh, was of value in your life, it's more likely, I think, that you'll pass it on to your child. And that's between that and the fact that he uh, has a has a reason to pay attention, I imagine he mm-hmm. would uh, he would be developing those abilities. Well, that's interesting too. Where it's like you know. There's different animals that are associated with the Fae, too, you know, if you really think about it. And that's where it's like, you know, you made the comment, you know, you listen to them and want to build your garden to what they would like. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I want to start doing, too, is like, what do they want for me to do? Mm -hmm. Because Fox can tell you in my backyard, there is... 3,000 new neighbors because of building. Oh, yeah. It's bad. I can tell you it's bad when you look at yeah. my back fence. And so that's where I want to make good and use of what I have because I live on 10 acres. So I have five mm-hmm. acres in the back and five acres in the front. And that's where it's like, what do I do to show them that I'm not encroaching and I'm not trying to scare them and hurt them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great idea. Um, and one thing that I've found also is that uh, the, that that sense of play is something that we share and that um, that enjoyment of uh, of exploring um, learning without learn knowing what we're learning yet uh that's something that i think we really we do share with them and that um that bringing that playfulness to the interaction uh mm-hmm. really gives us uh it's not like it absolves us of mistakes if we make a mistake that uh that's upsetting to them but um i think it gives us an enormous amount of a freedom in how we approach the interaction without preconceived ideas about uh, how we should be interacting, you know? And that's where it's like, it's interesting because like, you know, even now growing up in the house that I did, I still see my mom leaving out little shiny rocks for them and, you know, doing little things like that. And it's like, I wonder you know, if you ever outgrow it, if you are still so in tuned with being able to sense and feel them around you. Mm-hmm. I think maybe some people will just keep that connection, like just naturally keep that 
keep that connection. And I think that's, I think those are the, the, the creatives of, of this world, you know, they're uh, the painters. Like um, like yeah. Yeah. Just the, the, the people who never stopped using their creativity, never stopped using their imagination. I think those people will, will always have a, well, at least a stronger connection to, um, to the elementals, to the to the elemental spirits. So then here's my question for Christopher then. Mm -hmm. In your practices with the Fae, how do you know what they would like? How do you know? Do you go through like a list of different plants that you can grow in your area and see which one resonates with you? Or how do you do it? I find that uh, what works for me is is um, creating sort of an inner silence. Uh, so let let's say that I'm uh, trying to get advice on uh, on on what sort of plants I should plant um, in a particular part of my uh, of my yard. So I, I, first I would. Um, form that connection, so bring my mind to the, the fair folk, um, kind of bring, my, bring up my question. Uh, it's, it's not so much a, um, a question of explaining it because we don't, I, th I think, share a, a language the way I would share a language with a, a human that I was explaining my question to. It's more a matter of, I think, presenting the question while staying present with this uh, with this other mind and then after I've done that I would try to uh, to just hear hear the quiet see um, see a, a blank background and then let the uh, let the idea uh, come forward and also one thing that I found uh, particular to the Fay is that um, it seems to help to to start. So um, one of the things I did uh, in in working with the uh, the, the remediation of this uh, this um, work that I was doing for my house, I uh, I had sort of the the basics of what I thought I wanted to do. I had a, a bunch of soil. I thought, oh, I'll shape this into a a nice um, a nice terraced hill um, and that was kind of the seed but when I started working with it I started noticing other things and how much of that was just my own preference and how much was uh, the uh, the fair folk preference um, that's you know I, I think uh, I, I think one could one could overanalyze that I I think what uh, what really is important is that the the sense of play and the sense of being there with uh, with other beings whose lives matter and whose um, whose sense of joy and wonder is uh, is as valuable as my own, and then just doing. I, I think the doing um, becomes its own way of communication with the uh, with the fair folk. 
I like that. I'm going to start working on doing that here. Wonderful. You've certainly got a lot of uh, space to experiment with. That'll be so much fun. Well, and it's nice too, because when, well, not nice, but, but when um, my grandparents passed away, Memorial Garden, and we planted a bunch of plants. Mm -hmm. And I saw and I felt a lot of different energy in there that I mm -hmm. hadn't felt in a while. So makes me wonder if I should get back to doing stuff like that. Mm. Well, perhaps you should. If that's where the where the energy is, is that if that's where the the good vibes come from, then mm -hmm. by all means that I made for them. Mm -hmm. Give Sounds me one moment, beautiful. guys. I am so sorry. Uh, no, that's that's okay. Um, I got a question. What's your yeah. opinion? What's what are your thoughts on the connection between uh, between the elves and the fairy folk? Are they the same? Are they? different but related are they just different manifestations of the same energy because I'll, I'll i hear a lot of people and, and read a lot of um like a lot of stories where the fae and the elves are connected i mean both just you know mm -hmm. being beautiful light beings of course but the elves being more more humanized mm -hmm. in a way we always see them as these or at least portray them as these just tall lanky beautiful human beings like the, mm -hmm. the the perfected human if you will i think the most accurate representation would be um would be the, the way that's tolkien portrayed them mm -hmm. in uh, the Lord of the Rings, but I, I do wonder what's your opinion on on the connection between the two? Uh -huh. Is there a connection between the two? I love this question. Um, so I'll, I'll preface by saying that my first language was actually German, and uh, in German, the two are the same word. They're both Elfen. Um, so there's no distinction made there, but... Um, and and I think uh, historically they would have been seen as the same things, although maybe there were uh, some some fae tended to show up as you know giant hunters in the woods, while other fae tended to shine, show up as little lights in your garden, and that's um, that's more a question of the individual. But um, my my theory on this is actually that uh, Tolkien. Tolkien wrote this uh, this epic um, around uh, the idea of there being this earlier time when the uh, when the elves and the uh, the spirits of that nature were undifferentiated from um, from humans and that being undifferentiated being uh, being in the same place the uh, they had much more of the same size the uh 
the hobbits, the heroes of Tolkien's stories, are of course quite a bit smaller than everyone yeah. else. But he also he said that um, that size related more to the size of their imagination than the uh, than the size of their stature, which uh, I think gives a, gives an idea of maybe what he thought of elves. I think um, canonically. Uh, Legolas was actually like eight feet tall and very broad-shouldered from uh, shooting his bow a lot. Um, so when one thinks about a story that takes place more in the realm of imagination, um, then I think it makes sense there for, you know, for humans and elves to uh, To be about the same size or elves be maybe a, a little larger than humans in the if we're talking about the size of the the astral the astral form or the imaginal body the imaginal self um so i i, I think that's the that's the kind of the way that i uh view the distinction that um the the fairies the fairies of uh i guess modern imagination it's more about well how how large are they on a on a physical sense? And um, the elves that Tolkien wrote about, to my mind, are, are similar beings, but uh, they were written more about the the imaginal self, the astral the astral self of uh, of a, a similar sort of um, life force. Interesting, because in the astral realm there are of course pretty much no no limits to how big how how wide something can can grow like mm -hmm. that that dimension is it, to my mind at least would be infinite so you could you mm -hmm. could take any form you could grow as as big as you uh, as you feel like growing Mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah yeah I, I think that uh there probably is a, a gravitation i mean when when humans astral project which isn't something i i practice regularly by any means but uh i know there is typically a, a, a body that we tend to imagine ourselves with um it makes sense to me that elves would similarly uh or, or fairies would similarly be um be in in that realm and maybe a lot more familiar with that realm than we are and uh tolkien's tolkien's depiction of them as being human-sized large human-sized um it to me it's it's a very poetic description of um not just of the fair folk, but of uh, of humans and our uh, how we see ourselves, and uh, the 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 size of our imagination. Uh, Tolkien, of course, had a, a very fantastic imagination, but oh, he also wrote yeah. about these very um, simple simple folk that imagined a good harvest and tended to get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I, I like that. And speaking of the, you know, the different dimensions and gravity, gravitational forces, mm -hmm. our world, our 
third dimension is of course a lot um a lot denser a lot a lot heavier um mm -hmm. do you think that would impact how the um how the fae manifest themselves coming from a a interdimension coming from a um a lighter dimension would that make it like the density of our dimension would in your in your opinion in your your studies do you think it would make it it harder or easier for them to to get here or is that that light that fractal light does that already takes take up so much energy to manifest that light is really all they they have energy left for instead of a actual um, physical manifestation. Mm. So if I understand your question correctly, you're asking about the, the effect of our material world on uh, on the Fae and their uh, activity yeah. as opposed to... Yeah, their, their activity, their ways of of manifesting because this is such a a dense physical dimension i would i would think it's something like uh being stuck in a really interesting buffet um and it's not so much that you get stuck that you can't move away from the buffet table but uh that maybe you might have had you might have had something on your mind before you showed up uh, in this place, and then now uh, now that you're there, other things might be uh, taking priority. Um, uh, to to put it another way, uh, if you if you look at a wolf, um, if if you're out if you're ever out walking in an area with wolves. Um, Oh, I, I see in the chat that Firefay is uh, disconnecting. Yeah, so yeah Firefay Firefay uh, has to go. Her phone is uh, is draining fast. So, Han, thank you for thank you very much for uh, for representing the the Fay folk on this podcast. Of course, and thank you guys for having me. I do apologize for having to cut off so soon. Hopefully, we will be in the process of getting a better means of communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, well, it was wonderful talking with you. Um, I saw your uh, comment. My phone is at 28%. I thought you were... Uh, you know, typing out random letters to swear at your phone, but I see now it's <laughs> 28% charge. <laughs> In a way, I was swearing at my phone because it does this every time we have a podcast. It drains super fast. A little bit mm. of both. So, mm -hmm. you gentlemen enjoy the rest of the podcast. It was nice having the viewers that we've had, and it was nice meeting you, Christopher. Great meeting you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for joining. Of course, and I will talk to you guys soon. Okay, so um, So like I was saying, if you're ever walking in an area that has wolves and dogs, 
you can distinguish the tracks actually quite easily, um, not just by the size, but by the fact that wolves tend to not play very much. If you see a set of tracks that look like dog tracks, but they're just going in a straight line, they're on their way somewhere and they never deviate, mm -hmm. um, that's probably a wolf track. Whereas a dog will get distracted by something interesting every <laughs> few steps. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's maybe a, a commentary on the kind of responsibilities that wolves and dogs have for uh, uh, to the uh, to the material world. Um, so when I imagine fairies uh, interacting with the material world, it's not, I think, that they would uh, have a harder time with denser matter than lighter matter. Um, that's never been my impression. And by the fact that they live inside of hills that are very solid to us. Um, mm -hmm. And again, they do live inside of hills. There's something different about the inside of a hill from the outside of a hill to a fair. Yeah. So, hills, um, mounds. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's uh, so much a, a difference in the difficulty of passing through it as just uh, maybe not being as likely to be disturbed. Um, but I think one thing that is probably quite different is that uh, if uh, if they are, you know, in the depths of space, there's probably very little to um, to distract them from whatever they last decided to do. But if they around here, there's so many things to investigate. Um, and I think that uh, if they do find it hard to navigate um, the, the denser world here, it's that perhaps there's just so much to explore that um, it's very easy to get sidetracked, which, uh, which isn't the case in a less dense area. That, that's, that's my guess, just uh, it's not a question I had thought about before, but, uh, but that would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can, I can see that. I, I, like the, uh, I like the comparison that you made between mm -hmm. dogs and, and wolves. It um, makes, me, makes me think as well. And yeah, for some, something, someone um, coming into this, this third dimension where everything can be, can be seen, can be, can be felt, can be touched. Um, I, I do imagine it be, uh, it'd be very interesting. Uh, I got a question here from a viewer about the fairy holes where the trees pop up at the roots, like a little hollow. You mentioned before, yeah. um, when you were a kid, that's the, the roots, the roots of a tree is where you imagined mm -hmm. them, them living. You'll, uh, you'll see that a lot in the, um, in the stories as well that they do live either in the trees or underneath the trees um in the um, in the root system that they have their own own little world there mm -hmm. what's what are your what are your thoughts on I, that? I think those I, I think those stories are quite accurate just um 
looking back at my own um, my own memories of being very young and playing with fairies and the kind of um, the kind of spaces that I felt guided to create for them now uh, I do think they like these little uh, caves I guess for lack of a better word um, these little hollows uh, and I think, uh, well, who doesn't like trees? I mean, trees are such friendly creatures. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, uh, I, I think trees tend to be friend most, uh, most things around them. And, um, like, uh, like Firefay mentioned earlier in the chat, uh, fairies are, I think also quite, um, friendly and, uh, gregarious people. So I, I think it's, uh, it's quite natural that they would, um, that they would form close bonds in that way and uh, choose to make their homes very close to one another that way. I mean, we do that too, right? Hmm. We tend to oh, yeah. to stick together. We never move too far from uh, from our, our elderly home. Um, and speaking of um, friends and trees and uh, tree friends, happy tree friends. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> a true classic. <laughs> oh yeah. You think it? You think it's a kid's cartoon, but it's really not. Um, Depends the, on the kid. Fair enough. <laughs> but the uh, the idea of ants, uh, old old like living trees i mean yeah. sure trees they they live but the the ants some trees being their own land spirits being uh being mm. being their own their own being mm -hmm. do you believe that um that that is one of the one of the land spirits i mean and would that possibly explain the um the connection between the um, the fairies and the woodlands or why they would live uh in between the um, the roots of a tree in those those little hollows uh when you say um when you say ants or the spirits of trees do you mean individual trees or uh or systems of trees because i i think the distinction might not be as uh as sharp as it is between a human and maybe the the other humans in their neighborhood um take it take it in any way in any way you like hmm. um oh <laughs> trees they do talk to each other their their root system is a like is a is a highway of information and what walking trees are actually a a thing i've seen videos of trees just quite literally moving themselves from one part of the forest to another and if not sure if they are they are ants or if it's a well a physical natural phenomenon hmm. um, mushrooms have have the same um, 
have the same kind of underground highway. And back mm -hmm. in the in the days of um, you know of the the dinosaurs, you know, some many millions of of years ago, we had mushrooms the size of of trees. So and mm -hmm. we do like to uh, to believe, of course, the the more spiritual people, pagans, or just spiritual people as a as a whole, that everything has its own spirit everything has its own own soul if you will mm -hmm. but could mm -hmm. that manifest itself possibly in what we know from uh from the stories as being and um, being an end like actually mm. um, actually physically moving becoming conscious mm. if you will oh Oh well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure trees are conscious. Um, what I'm less certain about is how individualized that consciousness is. Uh, we have, um, as as humans, we we tend to, by default, feel uh, disconnected and individualized. A lot of people think that that's what. Uh, what the story of the fall actually refers to is that feeling of becoming disconnected from the rest of the universe. Um, and it's through, you know, through the, the right kind of practice that we tend to feel more connected again uh, and feel that we are not actually separate from the rest of the universe. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure trees are conscious. I'm less sure whether they feel disconnected from the rest of the universe whether they feel like an individual consciousness in the same way that uh that you and i feel like individual humans um and we you know we know on some level that we are uh dependent on our environment and our community and that we are not actually separate from the rest of the universe but we still by default feel separated and individual so yeah yeah you said take it in the direction you like uh and i would guess that maybe um a tree a tree's consciousness might uh it might reach for individualization the way that a human consciousness might reach for uh, integration um it might be something it's capable of but not uh but doesn't um naturally inclined to that's that's just a guess um but that would be my that would be my sense that uh the trees in a forest would have more of a a forest consciousness that can reach for a tree for a tree consciousness whereas humans in a neighborhood would have a a human consciousness that could reach for a neighborhood consciousness that's uh, so the trees would still have no it's 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 okay it's uh it's a uh i'm i'm trying to uh like really really fry your brain here it seems like it's working so um <laughs> but you you could say um or i guess what you would be trying to uh, to say is that trees they still have that that collective 
consciousness that they don't see themselves as individual trees but as part of a a whole i would guess so um i would i would guess that uh, that that sort of universal consciousness is much more of the, the natural mode of cognition for a tree than for a human really it's probably more natural for anything than a human uh or, or for most living things compared to a human but um but i think a, a tree a tree's consciousness it does seem as though it it could um it could explore uh, individuality uh, is the same way that humans can explore uh, universal consciousness. That would be that would be my guess. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I've never I've never asked. That's <laughs> uh, uh, I... why I like asking these asking these questions. You know, that's why I like doing doing these things off the mm -hmm. cuff. Um, because you know it makes it makes me think it makes everyone else just think and um think in ways that they they haven't had before um it's it's always fun coming up with these uh, mm -hmm. these kinds of kinds of questions um what in your opinion should we do or do we have to do as a um, as a human collective to really reconnect to to nature to really reconnect to our our own nature because there is this revival going mm -hmm. on there is this this reconnection happening what in your opinion in your your view could we could we do should we do to really like really strengthen this mm. to, to strengthen the connection yeah strengthen it keep the keep the upwards uh the upward trajectory going expand our our consciousness like would it be really as simple as you know as the meme says just go outside touch grass mm catch grass <laughs> it's not bad advice it's hardly ever bad advice um i i for myself um i've been actually very interested in the um the potential for solar punk style artwork and for a uh for a vision of a world that um that does not reject sort of the things that made us that uh, that we were chasing when we built the world that we inhabit now, um, that that security, that ability to uh, to, to eat very varied food. Um, uh, to, there's uh, a famous environmentalist. I think the, the inventor of the earth Earthship might be who I'm thinking of, who says that uh, it's still, even though I'm a um, great it's... environmentalist, I still like. Cold, cold beer and hot showers. I mean, in, 
big same, of course. But it's it's funny you mentioned Earthship. You're actually the the third one. Like Firefay introduced it to me first, and I recently saw somebody on um, on the social platform Minds posting about it, and now you like that. That makes that makes three. That's it's interesting. Wow. Like with that. Would that be the the way to go, or would that just be a, or is that just a great step in the right direction, like a great middle ground from where we could could go on, could explore more, yeah. like still still kind of have the like still have the technology that we have mm -hmm. become so accustomed to, but be in nature, be with nature i think that is possible um i think that as we and, and that doesn't mean the same as saying it's easy of course but uh i think that um nothing's ever easy <laughs> but yeah was... but uh, i i think i think there's a possibility of that and um one thing that i'm really that I really feel positively about is the um, the optimistic visions of the future. The the idea that we can build on um, past successes without uh, without rejecting either the um, either the things that you know cold beer and hot showers is uh, definitely a success. Um, I don't I, think we I, need. I, I think so we need to be willing to risk those things. Um, but I don't think we need to reject them. I think that it's possible to just get better at uh, at the things that are important to us and uh, and let them integrate more and more. Uh, so I really like the solar punk art movement. Um, I like uh, I like optimistic visions of the future. I like imagining optimistic and beautiful visions of the future and uh, and having a a more elegant way of um of using our technology without um without maybe throwing our weight around as much as we have been i think that's 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 a good way uh that would be a good way to go because there are there are a lot of um a lot of voices a lot of people who will say like we just need to well, reject modernity and embrace tradition, um, which in a way we absolutely have to do, but then people will take it too far and say that, oh, we just need to, you know, get rid of technology, like really live how our ancestors did, you know, just hard physical labor on the lands every day. But I don't, I don't think that um yeah it was about time that you showed yourself Tim. <laughs> i know what we should do why won't you listen to me <laughs> i know what i know what the answer is my cat butt yeah <laughs> no but i don't i think that's um you know, like really, really going back, like, you know, back into history uh, and trying to 
start over. I don't think that's mm. that's the right answer. I think, as you as you put it, we need to um, find a way to to better use it to mm -hmm. better use technology without it being so so intrusive without it it mm -hmm. taking over our our lives because it has many benefits as well so to say to uh, that we need to get rid of technology entirely is to say that we need to get rid of all these these mm -hmm. benefits as well um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it's one thing to say I'm willing to give up uh, cold beer and hot showers for the future I want, but try to convince someone else to to do it for the future you want. It it's uh, it, it's it's just not as effective either. Um, I have to think of this interesting fact that I learned a while back that uh, of. Um, of countries with sort of modern economies, really uh, Israel and India are the only ones with a replacement birth rate. And uh, in both cases, they actually almost have two societies. And one is almost like a Bronze Age society that's um, it's in some sense being subsidized by this uh, information, um, information economy. But in some sense, by having a, a, a replacement birth rate it's also um, subsidizing this information economy um so in in india of course there's a lot of peasant farmers who are all trying to uh, get into good universities to get a, a job in technology or medicine and then in um in israel there's a lot of uh, orthodox jews who also live very um, amish style lives uh, but who also often um, defect to the to the modern world, so to speak. So, I I think that's maybe um, those two societies are like a, a halfway step almost, um, and it's probably possible to have, uh, you know, to rather than have half the people working um, as uh, as as farm farm laborers and the other half working in IT, we could have uh, we could most of us work half and half in both <laughs> that would be my uh, i think i would enjoy that a lot more because of course there's there's intellectual um there's a desire for intellectual work and a desire for physical work i think there's uh, value to exercising ourselves and pushing ourselves and creating value um in in both fields and it's all like really being a matter of balance because mm. that's i'd say that that is the the main issue of of this world at the moment mm. there's such a a great imbalance and we're trying just everything we're you know we're throwing everything against the wall hoping something will will stick but we're looking at like we're looking in in all the the wrong places and i think as you said you know there there is definitely there's there's always a demand for for intellectuals there's always a demand for for the big brain people who can you know think a little harder think a little deeper write a little better 
you know, I definitely admire those those people as well. But yes, we do need farmers and maybe you can like you can be both. Like you can do information work, be a a artist, but you know, have a have a couple of chickens, have your own you know, fruit trees and vegetable garden and all like self-sustainability, but not having to give up, um, having to give up the, uh, the big brain side, the, the intellectual side, you know, not having to go back to, you know, the, the mean Neanderthal, so to say, you know, the, the knuckle dragging, caveman because you know who technology i think that would be like that would be kind of a, a perfect balance if something like that we um we could we could achieve you know self-sustainability mm -hmm. without having to necessarily give up the the comforts uh mm -hmm. that technology has brought us you know the warm shower and the cold beer i'm i'm quite a, a fan of that <laughs> myself you know i i i don't i don't like the the idea of having to to give that up you know it's comfortable it's nice mm -hmm. i don't want to can't i just do something else instead like can't i just give something up instead mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do I do believe that that's possible. And that's not to say that it's likely if no one works for it, but I, I think it's a, it's a future worth aiming for. Yeah. And as, you know, Caster of Magic uh, points out, the when the Industrial Revolution came about in England, all the mm -hmm. the farmers they they went into the uh, into the factories working long days, hard days for maybe not even a tenth of, um, of the satisfaction what they, uh, what they had on the land. And it's something you, you see being reversed again, like you'll see people actually moving out of the cities back into the, back into the country, back onto the lands, because it's just, it's become especially in the uh like the bigger cities the bigger economic centers um in the west i can i can really only speak for them for the west of course it's become unbearable it's become un unlivable and i think it's funny how we see how we see so many people um going like going back like quite literally going back to nature, moving out of, mm -hmm. out of the cities and, you know, buying the, themselves a, a farm somewhere or, you know, just a, a little house on the prairie. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, particularly, um, particularly now, perhaps, it's becoming less necessary because of the where we're starting to build the um, we're starting to build a, a networking uh, infrastructure a little more like what a what a, a fungus would have um, 
and maybe you would find this question interesting you know uh, in the in a in a climax community let's say there's a say we found out that um the the near universe was quite densely inhabited and uh we had just been living in some kind of a nature reserve but there was actually a galactic federation do you think the dominant organism would be more like a shark or more like a fungus i'd say fungus fungus hmm I don't it know why, because like a, a, a fungus will quite literally eat everything. You know, a shark, a a you know living being, flesh and blood, mm -hmm. especially on dry land. If it's you know if it dies, if it it perishes, there will be you know fungi to be uh, to be found on the um on the corpse the the bacteria the you know the fungi it's it's it mm -hmm. will take over and it will eat what is what is left of it so i think yeah the, you know the the shark may may absolutely be one of the the apex predators of you know of the ocean of this this oceanic world is that's it's really what it is like we call mm -hmm. it earth but it's like only 30 percent like everything else is water mm -hmm. um but i think in the end plants will win fungi will win like plants are quite literally everywhere you know from very high up in the mountains to the the deepest of of depths so if it's you know sharks versus versus fungi us versus i don't know mushrooms i'd say the the plants the the fungi the mushrooms have the have the upper hands in in the long term if we're looking in the long term if we're talking yeah. short-term power then yeah definitely the apex predators but what mm -hmm. happens if all the apex predators you know if they if they leave if they perish it's nature who claims it all back you know it's yeah. what you'll you'll see here in the cities you'll see a dandelion just growing out of the concrete it's like <laughs> i don't mm -hmm. care <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that that's um when we when we think about the kind of future we want i mean i, I think uh I, I agree with your assessment there of course and um in my mind that's also uh that tells us something about maybe the, the types of communities that we'd want to build um and the types of communities that we would expect to, to see after um enough uh, after after enough iterations of what makes a community successful, I think we'll tend to see more and more of that cooperation and that uh, making nutrients available to our neighbors the way that fungi do. Um, and I, I I find that a very hopeful thought. Yeah, like really just the the community spirits coming back to life the the 
the tribal the tribes really being being formed again you know us helping helping each other communities connecting with communities tribes connecting with tribes and helping each other there's for example the um they it's 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 called ubuntu i'm not exactly sure how to explain mm. it but it's really you take care of your of yourself first that you have enough to eat that you have mm. that your your standard of living is high enough and everything that is uh everything that is left everything you have extra you can divide among the other communities and maybe so you know maybe that's let's say you have a little extra bread because you know you had a a particularly mm -hmm. good year for you know for grains um you could you know provide that bread for a a tribe or a community who has had a lesser year you know mm -hmm. in and just like quite literally just giving it like out of out of the kindness of your of your heart because it's a mm -hmm. a need for them and then you know maybe you need something that's that they have a a over abundance of like still kind of the mm -hmm. the the quid pro quo but in a more mm -hmm. A more wholesome way like i have something that you are lacking you have something that i am lacking let's just you know let's let's trade that let's you know and trading yeah. trading and bartering i think that's it's it's a nice it's a nice system it's a nice thought and it's something that is being popularized again mm -hmm. um you'll even see it in you know in video games in in role-playing video games for example like i'm starting with this small item and i'm looking to trade up to this you know bigger item let's see how far i can get well if people can do it in video games we can do it in real life as well and mm -hmm. those and i think that's that's it's one of the one of the ways we could you know we could go but i do believe that's that as you said that the the communities need to be need to be there again we need to to reconnect again provide each other with with sustenance with um you know and whether that be for for the mental for the spiritual for the physical just make sure that we all have have enough Mm hmm. Yeah. And I, I think um, returning to your earlier point about balance, I think it's it's also important to find that balance on the scale of the community. Um, I think that's a, a very key place where um, it might be a little harder to balance a community than to balance an individual and an individual can say uh, oh i would like to spend half my time on uh on the, the physical world and half my time in the intellectual world and, uh, does the community 
have the means for that? Is it uh, is it possible for the community to be, be in balance when its members are uh, are pursuing that kind of a thing? I think it's uh, I think we have a long way to go still, <laughs> but uh, but I think we're also getting there quite quickly, which is um, which is also a, an optimistic thought. Yeah, it sure is. I I do believe that. Well, maybe not not our generation will see the um, the end of this and the the beginning of the the golden age of man the the new golden age of of man um but definitely within a within a few generations um if we are like if we really push for it maybe our our children's children or maybe our, our children's grandchildren, but definitely within a, um, within a few generations, mm -hmm. we will, uh, we will be at the, the beginning of the, the new golden age of man. And I do, uh, I try to do my part. Uh, you know, this, this podcast is just one part of that, uh, you know, connecting with people um hoping that you know the topics that's that i do talk about with my uh, with my guests that people learn something from it that they will um or you know at the very least be be entertaining that it's a well we're at a a hour 40 now that it's a a hour 40 that's it that's well spent that they, um, and that's, that's really all I can, all I can do, just my, my little part in my, my little world that's, that I'm a part of and hope mm -hmm. it's radiates, radiates outside, outwards. Well said, well said. And uh, thank you very much for inviting me into this world and uh sharing this conversation with me i thank you for wanting, enjoyed it. thank you for wanting to be a uh, a part of it um um we uh we have certainly uh touched on some some good topics and i was uh i'm very glad that uh firefake uh joined us for the for the first hour uh you choosing to uh to hit it off as well it was it was nice to uh nice to see it meant that i could do some uh, some work in the background and just still keep it going so <laughs> well, yeah thank you uh thank you very much for uh for coming on thank you very much for you know sending me that's that message on uh, on matchmaker and um yeah i've i've had a good time and you're more than welcome to uh to come back on anytime you anytime you like about anything you you feel like um like talking about oh well thank you very much i i look forward to that yeah well no problem you're uh you're most welcome um is there anything you uh, anything you want to plug anything you want to promote for your for yourself 
Um, oh yes, actually, uh, one of the one of the things I do is I when I go on podcasts like this, I make a, a piece of artwork. So my avatar has been uh, a piece of artwork just for your uh, just for your show. So I'm going to I sell uh, prints of it on my Redbubble store, and I'm also going to link to uh, your podcast from that. So uh, hmm. folks can uh, folks can find that if they're if they're interested in. I will uh, if you send me the the link later. I will make sure to um, to put it in the description and um, promote it a bit myself too. Of course, uh, goes goes both ways. If you promote the podcast, then I will return the favor. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you very much. This uh, this was a very enjoyable conversation. I really enjoyed the topics that we talked about in yours and Fireface perspective on them. Yeah, as did I. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on first time. This so uh, I uh, and for the first time this really really went well. Um, I had really no uh, no idea what to expect. So yeah, thank you very much. Bit of a rough rough start with the uh, the technical issues, but. Hey, it uh, <laughs> it worked out well in the end, and I am I'm very happy about that. I'm very very pleased. So oh, yeah, um, I hope everyone watching, I hope everyone listening, enjoyed this as well. Thank you all for joining me, Firefay and Christopher, on this this amazing show, this amazing podcast. Thank you to everyone who came into the live chats, um, share this around with everyone you uh, you think you feel is interested in uh, in the topics we talked about. And even if they're not, share it anyway. Um, yeah, don't for uh, don't forget to, uh, you know, to like subscribe, hit the bell or the standards youtube shilling stuff um don't forget to uh buy yourself some merch of course uh, the links are in the description i just today put up a whole bunch of um of new designs so go check that out uh christopher thank you for coming on um i enjoyed it very much and we will most certainly talk again 